Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to We Gotta Talk, an episode aimed at the parents and the parents specifically of um, older children today. We're talking all about mental health as it relates to college life, university life, the process of applying to college, what it's like for a family unit, and especially for the students after they get accepted somewhere and they're beginning their new life on campus and taking on all sorts of additional responsibilities. And so we're kind of continuing on the mental health theme. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're really making an effort this month to focus on some amazing experts from Advent Health who are helping us as family units sort of get through these crazy busy times of our lives. So today's guest is Betty Varghese. She is a licensed mental health counselor with Advent Health University. She counsels students in their medical programs. She helps them with work-life balance, with maintaining their mental health, and essentially getting through what is otherwise, Betty, a really, really stressful time in life in college. So welcome to the show. Thank you. So we were chatting a little bit beforehand, Betty, and there's so many um, aspects of mental health that intersect with higher education. And we're going to walk people today through all the different stages of the stressors that are involved with, with college life, right? From the application process, which we'll speak generally to, to what it's like when you get in. I know there are plenty of parents out there who want to make sure that they're arming their kids with the type of information that they can kind of like care for themselves when they're out of the home. And maybe there's a people listening who are just embarking on that chapter of their lives and they're like, wow, this is all new to me. So we're going to kind of touch on it all today. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay, great. So I want to start at the very beginning. You know, mm -hmm. I am about to be 42 years old. A lot of my listeners are in the general age bracket where we're old enough where things were drastically different when we went to college or applied to college, but not so old that it was like a completely different thing. But I will say in leading into a conversation about mental health and university or college life, the first thing I always think about Betty is the application process and hearing parents these days talk about how stressful it is and how um, this becomes a stress on the entire family unit. And, oh my gosh, it wasn't like this when I applied and I handled my application all on my own. And why do they need so much these days? Can you speak sort of generally to um, the stress that's involved in, in pursuing higher education before we even get to campus. Yes. First thing I want to say, you do not look 42. It's you the Botox. You should, you, should, <laughs> <laughs> you should share some of your tips. I think the difference is, you know, when we were younger, it was, when we did it, it was like, you know, you, you just had to do it. You moved on and there wasn't that much talking. Like your parents had certain expectations of you and, you know, there wasn't, now we talk more to our kids. We're more open with them. It's not just like, do this because I told you. We kind of explain why. Um, and, and I think this new generation, the Z generation, needs a lot more hand-holding. Um, they, need, they need more help, and they, they will ask for it. Okay, pause for one moment, Betty. Yes. This could be a conversation in and of itself. And I, I did an interview with this woman about all of Gen Z in general, like the sort of stereotypes we associate, but why do they need more help? What is it about this generation that I don't want to call it handholding, but maybe I will just for the sake of conversation needs a little more handholding? Um, well, I think we 
do a lot more for our kids than our parents did. We take, you know, you've heard of helicopter parenting. Uh, you know, we've had a student here that came and their parents had, and this was before COVID, it was a few years ago, um, where they couldn't buy champagne, a shampoo. Their parents drove here to take them shopping, get them, you know, buy them their shampoo. Their kids. We have students stop it. Here to- Betty, yep. stop it. This can't be real. How it old was real. this child, air quotes? Uh, 18. Just out of high school, we do have we have students that come here and they don't know how to do laundry. You know, they don't know how to grocery shop. They don't know how to budget. So I think we're we are, and I'm including myself because I have a Generation Z daughter. I think we do more. However, I did teach her how to do laundry when she was ten, so she's pretty good with cooking and cleaning. But we we have a lot. They want more. They expect us to do more uh, for them than um, when we were younger. It's the whole society, and you'll see. And I'm sure you're hearing the kids saying, "Hey, I'm, I, I you know, they have no problem going for counseling, or they're like, I'm anxious, mm-hmm. or they they will encourage their peers to go for counseling." Mm-hmm. It was very different before years ago. That's the upside, I guess. This this upcoming generation is very well versed in in topics that relate to sort of their internal world, and I I think there's beauty in that. In fact, like I I told you this before we started recording, but we did an episode that's the last one on the feed before this, and it was another um it, it was a child and adolescent psychiatrist, and we talked all about how kids are exposed to social media, which tells them all about neurodiversity and the things they might be struggling with. And so they have this really rich inner world, right? Where they're more aware of their well-being and health. But um, as they relate to the outside world, there might be there might be some differences. You know, and I don't want to crap. I, I was rude on the shampoo comment. I mean, I have been buying my own shampoo proudly since <laughs> I was about seven. But, you know. <laughs> that is a true story, though. That is a true story. That is wild. But I mean... You know, you're right. It's it's partially our fault as parents for helicoptering and for the anxiety that we sort of transfer onto them by over and micromanaging. So I don't I don't want to be exactly. rude in that way. But but so when you do talk to the 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 I don't want to call them kids, but the young adults you're working with um, at Advent Health University, and you're, you're sort of counseling them through their issues, what are you hearing? They're saying the general bigger stressors are once once they're in and once they're beginning to integrate into college life. I think what we're seeing a lot of is anxiety, high mm-hmm. levels of anxiety. They're not able to um, cope with so much um, external um, stressors. Let's say, for lack of a better word, but mm-hmm. they're they're overwhelmed, easily overwhelmed. So when you have three or four classes and each class has homework and each class has tests. They're overwhelmed. They don't. They can't figure out like how to balance uh, their time to get these things done. Mm-hmm. And I, go go on, and then I, I have a I was, comment for you. No, yeah, I was going to say a lot of things like um, you know, us as parents, they bring oh, this is so good, and then I think another part of now that I'm thinking of when we were different is like the kids are always on the go. It's either they're you know they go to school, then they're in some kind of sport, they're in mm. some kind of playing some kind of instrument every day. There's never downtime. Yes. Okay, this is where we want your expert advice. How much is too much? And Betty, I can make a whole interview about this. Overscheduling, um, over uh, high expectations, the yeah. the the belief that if you're doing an activity, you should be the best in it. No, you need to go be a horrible t-ball player yeah. before you decide what you're. I mean, why are we like this? And what is that magic number of activities or that magic formula for making sure that we're not overscheduling our kids and therefore making them? I hate to put it this way, but less useful or less uh, sort of practically intelligent adults. 
Yes. I, I mean, I wish there was a magic number, but I think you got to kind of go with your kid because each kid's different. Their needs are different. And are they enjoying what they're doing? You know, do they want to do what they're doing? A lot of times we're like, well, this this family, you know, the Joneses, they're doing this, this and this. So then, you know what? My kid needs to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people who put their kids in Kumon because their neighbors were doing it. Does your kid need Kumon? I mean, that's just right. like one more thing. Right, right. So, so when you, when you talk, I'm interested actually to hear from the college students perspective too, do they ever have a moment of reflection where they're like, you know, I realized that I was, maybe I'm like this, or maybe I'm stressed from small things like shampoo shopping because (laughs) I never had downtime as a kid or I never learned life skills. I mean, like, are they reflective in any way on how they were raised? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of times you'll get, well, this is because of my parents is why I'm so so then when they're in counseling it's like okay all these things happen to you yeah but now what are you going to do about it because there's just so long you can complain or blame your parents at some point you got to take responsibility and say this is how I'm going to live my life now these mm-hmm. are the decisions I'm going to make to live life the way I want to so I'm happy mm-hmm. and and how do you empower them to do that so if we're working with someone or you know not working with someone if we have a child who is going on to that next chapter at college or at university where they're going to have to by virtue of being away from their family, take on more responsibility. What are some encouraging things that we can say to the kids going off to college, whether they're in town or out of town, to start um, taking responsibility for those things that aren't taught in school? Yeah, I think the first thing as a parent, just listen to your kids. You know, mm-hmm. be encouraging, be supportive, encourage them to step out of that comfort box mm-hmm. um, and, and do things that are uncomfortable because then it will become uncomfortable. I mean, it will become comfortable and they'll get used to it and they'll learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. So, and I think we forget sometimes as, you know, as parents, we want to take care of our kids. We always want them to have a better um, childhood than we did. We don't want them to have to, you know, go through all these things that we did uh, that were expected of us. So what we, now we don't have them do so many chores. We don't have, you know, so then they don't learn, but our job really, and it's, it's kind of a, uh, it's a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is you want them to be independent, but the hard part is when they are too independent and they don't need you. And then we have to deal with that. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of sad. I always joke I'm I'm an I'm an overdoer of parenting because it's like kind of nice to be needed. Yes. And I'm like, oh darn it, I'm like making them less productive <laughs> in the end. Um, but you're right. I mean, that's probably something good for parents to think about too, and sort of approaching how we raise them as they get to that college age is okay. When do I need to pull back for their sake? Yes, absolutely. Are and you also? What you were saying with the college admissions and stuff, Mm -hmm. we need to separate our anxieties and our feelings from them and not put it on on, on the kids that, hey, they must be feeling like this. No, they might not be. We're feeling this way as parents. So let's talk about more about the application process itself and just the general stressors that are involved. Um, There is a lot of parental investment. I'm just going to say this with a minimal side eye, like (laughs) where their kids go to school. And uh, there's a level of prestige associated with help the parents out there divorce themselves from the need to let, to live vicariously through their children. (laughs) Counsel us through that because um, that is a big part. It feels like of college application process these these days. Well, my son is going to go to blah 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 on a partial X scholarship. My daughter yeah. is. La, 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 la. Talk to the parents. Speak some sense into us, Be- Betty. <laughs> well, uh, yes, we have so many expectations for our kids, and I'll tell you, uh, when I chose to be a counselor, that, this is probably one part of my life, my one time in my life that I just fight my dad because he did not want me to be a mental health counselor. He's like, "You're not going to make any money. You're going to, you know." He wanted me to be a doctor 
or some, you know, he's like, at least be a nurse. And my mom's a nurse and she did not like that. At least. <laughs> at least that is not <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> so what, you know, sometimes we've wanted to do things and we couldn't, or we mm. weren't able to, or our parents didn't let us. And then we want our child to do these things. Mm -hmm. So we have to let them make mistakes, learn from the mistakes and let them be who they are. Um, and not just like an extension of us, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, there's like the dads who are like, we're ball players and they're upset that their kids don't want to play. They want to be a music, you know, play music or something. And, and, and the child senses the disappointment and then they themselves feel as a failure because they didn't do what their father wanted or what their father expected. Them. I, I agree. I think one of the biggest sort of like like low grade disservices we do to our kids is calling them our mini. So this is my mini. No, no, no. We don't need another you, yeah. you know, like it, it's, and I know it's sort of like a fun way of like describing, you know, our kids and I've been guilty of it, but I, I do think kids absorb that feeling of expectation and that, okay, well, my dad really will. I know he really wants me to apply to his alma mater. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to, but, um, but yeah, that's a really good point to reflect on is just kind of um, making sure that it's about what the, who they truly are rather than who we who we want them to be, right? Exactly. We want to let them be who they are. And because they also develop this internal like conflict of mm -hmm. who they really are and who their parents were and which child doesn't want to please their parents or want their parent approval. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Well, as, as people are going through, and again, I, I want to stress, you are working with students as they've, after they've been admitted, yep. and we will speak to more of the student work-life balance, but just to kind of round out the discussion on the application so we can have some useful information for parents who are in this stage of life, how much do you suggest they actually help with the application process? So here's what I want to say. I want to say, listen to them, really listen. Don't butt in, like listen to listen, don't listen to respond. So listen actively. What are they telling you? What do they want from their college experience? What do they want to do? Then encourage them, you know, we should, I mean, we want them to be independent. So yes, make some, you know, reminders. Are you, are you doing your applications? That kind of, but don't be like, oh, you know what? Today is, you know, May 1st. Aren't those applications? Didn't you do this? So we want to encourage that independent is kind of a fine line. But at the same time, we want them, we want to support them, but we want them to learn more independence because there's going to be a point like that senior year, they're going to be going away after that. And you want them to be able to take care of themselves. That's like a high stakes thing though, Betty, is like yeah. not reminding them of a deadline. I'm like sweating yeah. already being like, oh. <laughs> I mean, like, but how much can I help and get my hands in there? I mean, can you do any, should you do anything again, bearing in mind that the ultimate goal is to raise a really responsible students well, when they're on campus. Exactly. Exactly. And see, do they want your help? Do they want mm -hmm. you to remind them, you know, and, and go from there. And then, the, and like you said in the beginning, it's very different than it was. So guide them, but don't act like you know anything, everything, because it's different. The SATs change and then they change back. I mean, there's so many different things going on. Mm -hmm. So guide them and don't believe everything someone tells you because someone's going to be like, well, my kid did this and that, that might not be true. So always um, check, check, if that's accurate, what you're being told, you know, like with the school or other resources we have, you know, with the internet now we have a lot of resources at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's speak to say, you know, we're, we're helping them narrow down the places they might want to attend. And what do you think about weighing in on what they're studying and how to help, how, how to help guide kids, I guess, find what it is that they want to spend their Purpose next and four years doing. Yeah. Bearing yeah. in mind that like m my personal belief, I would say this as an aside is the best thing I ever did was 
change my major, you know, three times. I don't, I'm not one who believes you should know what you want to do at nope. 17. My gosh, no, thank you. But there are children who do tend to have like a real great yeah. idea. So how much do we try to help them figure that out, if at all? I, I think that is a great place for parents to help them. Like, I think one of the best things is shadowing. Um, mm. When students come here, like they know they want to be in the medical field, but they're not so sure what they want to do. So we recommend a lot of uh, shadowing and we do help some of our kids find places where they can shadow. Um, so that I think is really important. It helps you see what does this person do? Is this what I want to do? Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. I tell students, I'm like, sometimes it takes one to two years, you know, of being in school to figure out what you want to do. That's okay. Because right. pretty much those first two years, you're just doing your prereqs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. So they're in college or they've gotten in, accepted into a, a program or something that they're like, they like, and they're interested in. Tell us about what it's like adjusting to campus life. Like you said, regardless of how they got in there, the level yeah. of involvement of their parents in that process, they're there now alone and they're figuring things out. What are you hearing most with students that are coming in to speak with you? Um, they, they are, you know, they're not used to not they're not used to being away from their parents for this mm-hmm. long. And well, it goes two ways, right? So there's those that are like, oh, I'm free. And then they go a little crazy. And then there's the ones that, who are sad and they miss their families. So it's kind of, even that is kind of keeping a balance. Okay, we don't, you know, you have to, you're here for school. It's your priority, not going out, not making friends. In, well, making friends, but not, you know, always being out with them, but having time to study as well. Um, and a lot of them will contact, you know, they'll call their parents, or I think a lot of parents do call their, and I think that's really important. Keep calling, you know, call your kids, um, see how they're doing, check in on them, keep it, you know, light so they're not feeling um, mm-hmm. additional pressure. Yeah, sort of just touch in, you know, make sure that they're doing well, but resist the urge to swoop in and like do their laundry and kind of <laughs> Exactly. My mom helped me with laundry yeah. freshman year. I mean, I was technically only 20 minutes away, so guilty as charged. Um, so what other sort of, uh, you, you spoke a little bit to the trend of anxiety in general that you've been um, sort of helping students through. What is the advice you have for them when it comes to managing schoolwork and the load of work outside of their personal lives. And um, it seems like there's so many more resources available today than there have been in in years past. So talk a little bit about that. And people are more free talking about their own, you know, anxiety or other issues and sharing. But um, as for college, I'm a big proponent of having a uh, planner and Mm -hmm. tell students, hey, put in all your, you know, go through your syllabus, put in your test dates, put in your homework, and then put in your non-negotiables. Um, your class times. Um, some of them work some out a few hours, put that in and then work around. Now work backwards. So you have a test on Friday. When are you going to start studying for that? So mm-hmm. Monday, I'll you, you know put in like Monday, 30 minutes, I want to study for this test. I have a homework due on Thursday. Well, I'm, on Tuesday, I'm going to do this homework. I'm going to put this space in. So that helps with the, a lot of the anxiety because you see the whole picture of the week. You already know what you're going to do when. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That helps a lot. Number one thing for anxiety, exercise. We encourage our students five days a week, get, you know, get exercise. There's so much research behind it. Mm-hmm. For stress management. Yeah. You know, I know at Advent Health University, you guys are focused, like you said, in the medical field in particular. Talk a little bit about the stressors that are unique to that field or to other particular areas of study. And I think anyone who's been to college knows that stress is relative to the amount of work you're doing and maybe the program that you're in. So speak specifically maybe to that group of students who's looking toward 
that field for their um, for their careers. And what's that, unique to that? Um, are you you mean like to, for medical? Yeah, for medical. Um, I don't. I think it's kind of the same for all mm. college students. Um, the only one thing that we do see is sometimes when students are here and they are in clinical their first day, we've had students pass out or there's a cadaver lab and they can't, you know, that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the stress, the kind of the things they deal with are kind of the same. Yeah. Okay. L a lot of scheduling issues. What about, um, this is a big thing that I noticed my new college friends experiencing my freshman year was like, uh, just generally managing health. I mean, you, you hear about people going to college and you know, that the food is different and, and the access they have to different, um, like you said, types of exercise or like the body changes, the, everything sort of changes all at once to, to someone who's about to make that change and go to college and realize, okay, my whole routine's about to be disrupted. I'm going to a place that might not have mom's home cooking and it's not going to be as easy for me to stay on my regular schedule of, of fitness and exercise. How do you help them adapt to their new environment? And so we talk about, um, you know, how can you, is there a day to do meal prep? Um, and when, and fitting in, you know, when you're doing the scheduling and looking at when you're going to fit in that exercise time. And sometimes, you know, I tell, it's fine. I mean, it's finals week. I encourage them to eat a balanced breakfast, but I don't, I mean, balanced meals, but I don't want them to be stressed about what they're eating. You know, that's mm -hmm. just another stressor. So, you know, kind of do what they but it all goes to planning and working with them on creating plans uh, for when are you going to do this and looking ahead, um, not waiting till the last minute, but being prepared and organized. I think is it really helps a lot. Um, we have uh, one of our students had a has a crock pot and they so she doubles everything she cooks and then freezes it for the days you know she um, is in a test or she can't cook that kind of stuff. That's so responsible. I just kept like an extra box of cereal <laughs> in my dorm room. And I think our you know we have a really small campus and in our housing they have full kitchens. So um, and then on campus we do have a cafe that they can get lunch and stuff at. Um, or, you know, pick up food and snacks like that. Oh, that's, that's, oh, so they have access to things that, you know, college dorm rooms of the past. Don't, they have a kitchen. Yeah. I think it might probably be easier if there was a cap, like a cafeteria in the, in our housing, but so they have their own kitchens and they cook, they have roommates. So they, some of them like take turns cooking, that kind of stuff. Oh, um, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when I, when I spoke with our, um, our friend, the, child psychiatrist, child and adolescent psychiatrist from Advent just a couple of days back. She mentioned this um, national mental health epidemic. And we, we spoke at greater length about this in that episode, particularly about the specific challenges that younger kids are facing. But are you seeing that also play out? I know you mentioned anxiety in particular, but um, this mental health epidemic, as it was called by the AAP back in 2019, I think she said, um, are, are you seeing that translate to what your students are dealing with outside of anxiety too? And, and the, the, the sort of additional point on that is, are we at a stage where we're just sort of detecting more about mental health in general, or is it really a bigger problem? I think because of COVID, it is a bigger problem. Uh, right now, suicide for, um, I want to say eight, 15 to 24 is the, number, the second number one killer of, um, for adolescents. Uh, I believe it was death, I, third, I believe third. I just read that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, our oh, numbers wow. have gone up increasingly um, in, in that. So, yeah. I, and I think, you know, that COVID being home, there were kids that were, um, you know, they were already being abused. So now they're stuck there all day. Right. And there's like 
people, domestic violence people, think of those people stuck in the house all day. Like what is going on? Uh, what has happened to them? So all of that plays in. A lot of people are not like became alcoholics. The drinking levels went up a lot. So that played a lot into what is going on today. Um, and, you know, not having graduations, not having that social component that we all need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you seeing like, a COVID student, for lack of a better sort of descriptive term, like um, a change in general, because a lot of these kids would just be getting into college now who were impacted at the high school level um, by COVID and lockdowns in particular. So is there a prototypical like COVID student? And if so, you know, what, what particular things are they struggling with? Because we do hear a lot, like you said, about the impact of isolation on teenagers in particular. So how does that look when they do transition to college? It, it is where, you know, math scores went down. A lot of the scores and stuff went down. So, yeah, as these uh, students are entering, um, I wish I, it's, you know, it's not typical. Everyone has different issues, but I think some of them have a lot of social issues. Um, they don't know how to. And I think also this generation with their technology and the texting, they, they don't really have great social skills either. So mm. that that's part of it as well. Like How does they, that look, Betty? Like when you say not good, like give us an example of like what it used to be than what it is. Um, it's even hard for them to maintain a conversation with somebody, maintain eye contact to, um, or they feel too shy to even go and talk to somebody, you know, uh, they don't, they're not making friends when they're coming. Uh, it's a little bit harder for them wow. um, to like relate to other people. They don't really know what to do. So this really is a new breed of college student in a lot yes. of ways. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So so where do you even start with something like that? Because I, I would I would presume that the, the student themselves is aware that this is a little bit so of what an is issue going for on them. and they want yeah, right. they feel it's kind of normal for them, right? So you want to be like, no, this is what we want to do. So here actually at our, our school, we are a small uh, Christian school. So we have spiritual um, we have small groups, we have worship, we have so many um, activities for them as well. Um, so they yeah. can get together and talk and that kind of stuff. And we're let's, encouraging that. Let's talk about the impact of spirituality on mental health in particular. Um, I know personally that uh, a meditation practice or a prayer routine has been helpful to me in times of high stress, but I guess it's different telling that to a college student who feels like they have a thousand places to be socially and academically. Um, how do you guys at um, AHU sort of work in the component of spirituality and help explain the benefits of that? So we, we have uh, three chaplains here um, and they do different programming. And when I talk to students and, you know, especially if they have um, um, test anxiety or something, I'll tell them some like deep breathing and then I'll say, say a quick prayer. It's not that, you know, it's just to calm you. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, you know, we feel like, oh, if we don't know prayer isn't answered, then why am I praying? Or students will actually say, hey, you know, I used to be religious, but I'm not because of these things that have happened to me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it'll be, you know, I, I do tell them, it's like, it's not, it might not answer everything or go the way you want, but it'll give you a calmness and a peace that you need. So you can concentrate and you can focus on the things you need to. Yeah. Run us specifically through what types of breathwork exercises might be helpful. Cause it could be related to, you know, something broader and more general about just moving and being in a new place and going to college, or it could be related to specific test you're taking today or the particular stresses of that day. So can mm-hmm. you give us some examples of some good breathwork exercises that have helped to center some of your students or so not students, for, patients, I guess. Yeah. So I always give the simplest form of everything. I, so I'll, I'll say, I want them to inhale through their nose and then count to four. 
and then slowly exhale through your mouth. And I'll say, do that three times before you start a test. Another thing is it's basic grounding for anxiety. And this is like the, one of the simpler ways is called the three, three, three. And that is look for three things in the room. Um, listen for three sounds and then either touch or move three parts of your body. And that's just to get us out of our head and into the present, you know, to be like, okay, here I am. Cause that get out of that, um, that anxiety mode in our head. And it's just Ooh. basic grounding. So everything I give is I try to make it as simple as possible because mm -hmm. um, there's all kinds of different techniques now and they're coming up with all kinds of, you know, um, different things. That's interesting. I like that. Just like noticing things. It's like using your senses yeah. sort of just so, to be exactly, present. Exactly. Exactly. To pull you in. It's just basic grounding. And I'll say like, like let's say the clock, what shape is the clock? What size, you know, what size is it? What color is it? Kind of stay focused on it. Do you ever work with um, students who are having trouble maybe managing their screen time? And moreover, what impact do you notice that screen time, social media in particular, have on mental health? Because that is another new aspect of, oh, yeah. uh, and I, I would call it a challenge that college students today have that we really didn't. Yes, very true. Um, social media can be good. Um, and it can be very bad for mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of studies on how these posts that the students are seeing and especially in our high schools and our middle schools and it they compare that to their own lives and they're like wow my life really stinks um and you know the thing is the fact is nobody's putting out the negative things that are happening nobody's mm -hmm. saying my car was repoed here's a picture of that you know everything mm -hmm. people post are the positive things in their life so it always looks like their life is perfect mm -hmm. but but it's not because i could look at you and think your life is perfect but you only you know what you're struggling with and that's what mm -hmm. i tell students i'm like you can look at me and say oh she's a therapist she's got everything together you don't know what's going on with me we're assuming because of what we're seeing right and they like grew the up with that technology their brains have been conditioned to yeah. think that the status quo is like the filtered Im instagram image or these days yeah. i guess TikTok video and, and things like that. It's, it's, that, I would imagine that that presents some unique challenges to you in your practice. It does. Even my own daughter will take breaks from social media because she'll see how it's affecting her. And yeah. Like, I need to stay focused on myself and she'll take breaks. I do think that one of the biggest gifts we can give our children who are being raised in a, a digital age is like the gift of like hiding the iPad or hide, like literally mm -hmm. physically removing it because without enforcing that type of strict like restriction i guess mm -hmm. they don't know how life can be without it because their their brains are like trained Absolutely. to continually check their phone and to continually check their social media for that little dopamine hit so it's because it, that's their norm right that's right? what that's normal for them right it's wild it's wild and, and do you do you anticipate and i'm i don't want to like ask a question too much where you have to peer into your crystal ball but like i would be <laughs> curious your professional perspective on the types of adults that'll make uh, for the workforce eventually. And like, you know, are we raising a generation that is more mentally resilient because they're going to have to create these boundaries or are we raising a generation that won't know how to face reality because they're going to stick their face back in their phone? I hope it is. Uh, we're raising a, a, you know, resilient workers that they see, Hey, I need to make change because they're aware, they're aware of their feelings more than we are. Mm -hmm. that, hey, this is what I'm feeling. I probably should get help for this. Yeah. What encouraging signs have you noticed as you're working with students at um, AHU and uh, sort of patterns or things have you noticed as we're coming out of COVID and coming out of that period of isolation that make you hopeful that um, mental health in general is improving, especially among the, the college age set? 
I, I, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think it's because they are in touch with their feelings and they are like, Hey, I don't want to feel like this, you know, and mm-hmm. this, this, there's gotta be a better way to deal with this. And they're coming for help and they're open. Um, they're open to working. I mean, we still do have that, you know, that stigma about counseling and mental health, but I think this generation is just so much more open and mm-hmm. they'll scream down the hallway. Hey Betty, our counseling session, you know, they, cause before you don't hear that kind of stuff. Nobody says mm-hmm. anything. And, you know, I'm like, you don't have to put your business out there, you know, but they're so, you know, they're so welcome or they'll introduce me and say, Hey, this is my counselor, you know, and she's been helping me with this. So that's How awesome. So, yeah. So they're so open. Yeah, I do think one of the biggest gifts we can give each other, whether this be adults or or kids and, you know, even talking about younger children who are getting therapy or getting counseling for a particular issue, like the biggest gift we can give is transparency sometimes. And like, it's, it's, it's a fine line because with social media, you know, we run the risk of oversharing and, you know, putting information out there that can never come back. But I, for one, have always been very open about the fact that even in quote unquote good times, there's no good time in anyone's life that's ever permanent. Um, I have always worked with a counselor who's helped me through work issues and transitioning out of a professional life into a new chat. Like there is so no shame about the whole process. And I just love hearing that this generation is open, not only open about it, but proud about it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and I, I do tell students like, you know, what if, when you need a car mechanic, or we'd say that about tutoring too, don't wait till the car breaks down, go, you know, beforehand. So it doesn't break down. So you get it before it breaks down. Yes. I love it. And continue to share. Let's talk a little bit about the AHU family connection. Um, an interesting point that research is now showing parental connection helps a college student succeed, which kind of flies in the face of what we've like sort of anecdotally thought, which is like, oh, don't tell mom and dad anything because like, they don't need to know what they don't need to know. Can you talk a little bit uh, more about that? So that um, helps parents know what's going on on campus, what events are going on, and um, that it creates more of a connection. They can talk to their kids about, you know, what's what are the, uh, not just events and what are they going through, that kind of stuff. There's a lot of informative uh, articles and stuff that goes out through there. And it's just kind of a support for parents. And that's another thing about this generation. I think they're so open, like what, what they tell um, what they tell their parents. Like my child is so much, she's so open with me about what's going on there. I would never, ever tell my parents that. Oh, I'd you love know? to hear it. How old is she again? She's 21. Okay. She's okay. 21, but I remember like when she, when she was a senior in high school and she's like, mom, um, it's senior skip day. And I said, well, I'm not giving you an excuse absence. I'm not going, she's like, I just want you to know I'm not going to be in school. This is where I'm going to be in case anything. Oh like, my gosh. I never would tell my parents that I would just do it, you know? Oh, that's so, she's, so funny. She's, she's very open with the things she tells me. And I try, I try not to be judgmental and be jumpy or, you know, um, cause there's some things that are like, what? Mm-hmm. Oh I yeah. Mean, I mean, it's one thing to say that you're, yeah, it's one thing to say, oh, like no matter what, you can always tell me anything. And then you yeah. hear it and you're like, oh God, what, you know, like it's yeah. really, it's really hard to hear the truth sometimes, but I love yeah. that she's open like that with you. Yeah. Especially I was in middle school and high school. I wanted to have that open communication right. just so that she could be like, this is what's going on, you know? And what does that tell you more broadly about the college student these days? The fact that this research is showing that connection helps. I mean, does it tell us that our kids are always looking for a way to connect, but maybe just aren't able to eloquently say that? So they're acting out instead, like what, what, oh no, from a broader perspective, what does that, what does that tell you about our that kids is, and what they need? 
That is a good question. I think they just, yeah, they just need us to listen and to be encouraging. And yes, we do have to be parents. I'm not saying don't be their friend and don't punish them or give them consequences because that's how they learn, right? Not consequences. Um, but just, just being there for them and letting them know no matter what, you love them, uh, no matter what they do. Uh, because uh, we, when we're growing up, we say, oh, you're a good girl. Or you're a, No, I mean, you're always a good girl. It's not that we make bad choices. That doesn't make us a bad person. Mm-hmm. I love that. I feel like that's great advice to sort of round things out. And before we let you go, Betty, can you just give us that one more bit or a couple more bits of encouraging advice for parents entering this chapter and for students entering this stressful chapter, but exciting chapter. College is yeah. the beginning of the beginning, really. And yes. um, any any tips on not only stress management, but also like enjoying the moment because you only get to do it once. Yes. I, I like to say, you know, you, you, uh, sometimes we see a sunrise or a sunset and we're so busy taking the picture. We don't enjoy the moment. So now I don't use my phone when I'm with my, you know, when I'm, we're not taking pictures, enjoy the moment, be in the moment. College is really exciting. It's an exciting journey. Um, it's confusing. It's like a roller coaster. There's ups and downs. So enjoy it. The pro, I mean, and even the admissions process, it's like, that's something you do. You're not going to do it again. And you're not going to do it with your kid again. So with that kid anyway, if you have other kids, of course, but just enjoying and being together, being supportive. And, you know, that last year, I mean, things will be different right after that. Once they go to college, things are never going to be the same, no matter what. So enjoy things together. You know, one thing I will say is um, as far as do your taxes on time, that PASPA is a, is a, uh, you know, you got to do that paperwork all the time for the kids that's going to help them do your taxes on time and help them with that FAFSA so they can you know with whatever school they're going to go to that is kind of time consuming for parents I love that practical advice and don't write their application essay let them don't write their (laughs) don't pay someone else to write their essay yes do not take that work away from them it's a growth (laughs) opportunity Um, absolutely yeah oh gosh Betty you've been a joy to talk to you thank you so much for sharing your yeah thanks for sharing your wisdom and for for those of us who want to connect more with Evan Health University I know there are a ton of great pro- uh, programs there. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about how to connect there and how to find more information about what you in particular are doing there. Yeah, well, our um, you can check out our website. Um, and also, um, if you call the school, our main number is 407-303-7747. And you can talk with an admissions advisor. They'll walk you through uh, the whole the steps. We have a nursing program. We have all medical programs here. Um, and then we also have... Um, we have nursing, radiology, which is uh, a lot of uh, the medical programs. Or if it, to use as a stepping stone, you can get your bachelor's uh, to go into medical pre-med, uh, to go into medical mm-hmm. school. And we just got we just got the the news alert that came down ahu.edu guys. Yeah. Um, and and we thank you for educating the future caretakers, the caretakers thank of tomorrow, you. and taking care oh, of their yes. mental health, Betty. Because if there's something we learned, it's that if we, especially in that particularly stressful field, if not are not taking care of ourselves, we're not taking good care of others. So um, you Absolutely. guys, yes, and Advent is just doing such amazing work in the general space of mental health. And like I said, it's been a real pleasure to partner with you guys because you're an organization and you work for a group that prioritizes the health of its people too. And I think that that yes. goes right on down to the patients that you treat. So Absolutely. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Betty. And thank you guys for, for watching and or listening to this uh, episode of We Gotta Talk. I hope that that provided some good perspective. And, um, you know, regardless of where you are in your parenting journey or if you're someone who's applying to college, I just feel like that was very timeless, evergreen advice from Betty on how to 
how to do things the right way. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. Yeah.